Hello and welcome to the Bible study program Shear Jashub, brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo, and in today's program, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing with the Heavenly Authority series by studying the life of Samson. Last time we saw his great strength in tearing a lion apart and his great character weakness in his desiring a Philistine woman for his wife. So now let's join Pastor Greg in the book of Judges, chapter 14. He goes down, the woman pleases him, verse 8. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hands and went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now, Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. And he lists those. He's looking for them to... Uh, see as clean the animals that divide the hooves and that chew the cud. And then he goes on to tell them ones they can't have of that group. Verse 4, Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or have cloven hooves, the camel, and he lists those. He says in verse 8, Their flesh, those they're not supposed to eat, those that are unclean, their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. You go down to verse 24, and it gives more of these unclean animals that he's not supposed to eat, that he's not supposed to touch. By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. And if you look at verse 27, and whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours. Those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. They shall wash their clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. Remember the instructions of the angel of the Lord to Manoah's wife and to Manoah back in chapter 13. Now, therefore, verse 4, please be careful. Do not drink wine or similar drink, and do not eat anything unclean. The child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And then he says to Manoah, he tells him in verse 13, the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And obviously the child has to observe that his whole life. To be this consecrated, this set-apart Nazarite, and to then have this special anointing of God on his life. 
does Samson know this? Does Samson know that not only is it wrong for any Israelite to take and eat from a dead carcass of a lion, but most especially for a Nazarite who is called not to eat anything unclean? Do we know if Samson knows this or not? We know that his parents have brought him up this way. We know they're dedicated to bringing him up this way. And how do we know he knows it? But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. He keeps it from his parents because he knows they would not approve of him eating something unclean. And someone can say, well, what, what's such a big deal about this? Understand how important it is in God's sight in this covenant, this old covenant, that they are obedient to the Lord and what they do. The same attitude towards the food will carry over into Samson's attitude towards sex. And he who is supposed to be an example of consecration continually makes himself unclean. It's an interesting thing. Samson believes in the Lord. The Lord uses Samson, but he's not cautious in the things of the Lord. And you're going to see as we read on that you can sense a close relationship between him and his parents. And the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. But maybe he feels his parents are just a bit too much in their faith. Does it sound familiar? Anyone that's brought up a child in a Christian household has felt this at one point or another. It's a response of many Christian children to the faith of their parents. They believe like the parents, but they think their parents are just a little too much about it. Samson is not going to get that technical on this issue of faith. He's not going to be that extreme. His parents are a little too extreme for him. And he's hungry, and he knows they're hungry, so he takes it, he eats it, and he even gives it to them and just don't let them know. Because these Christian folks are a little, excuse me, these Israeli folks are a little too much. It's a common attitude today among many children of believers. And what happens is parents though unknowingly and in ignorance, they likewise then become tainted by his lack of care, right? Here's Manoah going down to get the wife from the Philistine. They're eating unclean food. And so Samson's got them caught up because he's not careful. Be careful, please. This is the angel of the Lord speaking to Manoah's wife. Please be careful. Some believers... When some believers are trying to be obedient to God and to do what's right, there'll always be others that'll say to them, oh, you worry too much. You worry too much. Just relax in the faith when they're trying to do conscientiously what they feel is right in the sight of the Lord. And certainly we are not called to worry. We are called to rest in God. We are not called to worry, but we are called to be careful. Please be very careful the angel said. It was important that they follow these things. If they didn't, did God abandon them immediately? No. The Lord goes a long way with Samson. And he will bring about his will as he said he desired to through Samson's life one way or the other. But for Samson's sake, for that child's sake, be careful. Please, he says, be very careful. 
Then it goes on, verse 10, So his father went down to the woman, he makes the arrangements, and Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. And they would have a wedding festivity. So that means they got married and they would have a wedding feast. And the festivity could last one week, seven days, or two weeks during the time of the honeymoon. Verse 11, And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. So during this festivity, the friends of the bridegroom come. They are Philistines and the same people as his wife. They see him throwing this feast for his wedding in their area. And so they said, well, let's give him some companions so that he can have friends for the bridegroom to enjoy and to be happy with and to drink with, I guess. And they give him 30 companions that are kinspeople to his wife. Verse 12, Then Samson said to them, Let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me, within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, Pose your riddle that we may hear it. And you see more insight into Samson's character. He likes a little challenge. He likes to stir things up. He likes to cause a little trouble. And that boldness and brashness will be used here by God to start really a cycle that escalates to bring deliverance for his people. Notice also they accept the challenge freely. Pose your riddle that we may hear it. They agree to the odds of the bet. And they agree to the rewards uh, on this clothing. And they, they're freely, no one's forced them to do this. Verse 14, so he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. And obviously, the riddle refers to the honey that's in that lion's carcass. Uh, Now, for three days, they could not explain the riddle. Verse 14, but it came to pass the seventh day, and the Septuagint says there the fourth day. And that's what you'll have in some of your translations. That they said to Samson's wife, they've gone about, they've tried to solve it, they can't solve it. Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? So they intimidate her. They're going to kill her. They're going to burn her, her, her father's house. Entice your husband. Have you invited us in order to steal from us? Now, they didn't enter into this without knowing what they were doing. It was fair. And a lot of times if someone enters into an arrangement that is fair, and if things don't go their way, they use intimidation. They use intimidation to pressure to get the results they want. Intimidation can be used by those who don't want to admit when they failed or when they can't receive what they thought they were going to receive. We're going to burn you. We're going to burn your father's house. Verse 16. Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother. 
So should I explain it to you? What's that telling you about Samson's emotional ties? I didn't tell it to my folks. I'm going to tell it to you. He's emotionally tied closer to his parents than to his wife. She pleased him. She looked well to him. But he doesn't have the same feelings towards her that he really should. You're going to see this is a marriage that's destined to fail. Verse 17, now she had wept on him seven days while the feast lasted. So she's afraid, and she's pleading with him, and it says she wept for seven days. Obviously, they hadn't come to her at the beginning of those seven days, so she's probably been crying all along from the very beginning, even before the intimidation, possibly before the countrymen came to her, because this riddle has obviously distracted attention away from the wedding. And she presses him, and he finally tells her. She wept seven days while the feast lasted, and it happened on the seventh day that he told her, because she pressed him so much. And then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. She goes right to her kinsmen, and she tells them the answer. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? They have the answer to the riddle. And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. He knows that they know this only because they got the information from his wife. If you would like to write to us, you can reach us at Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. For Sunday service, we meet in Madison, Connecticut, at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane at 10 a.m. Please join us next time for Shear Jashub.